Welcome to the Food and Beverage Insider Podcast, the source for the latest ingredients, formulation, supply chain, and regulatory issues affecting healthy food and beverage product innovation. Today's host is Alex Smolikoff, Assistant Editor. Okay, hi, and welcome to another edition of the Food and Beverage Insider Podcast. I'm Judy Pizzazzaro. I'm the content director, and I'm joined today with my partner in crime, Alex Smolikoff. He is our associate editor, and um, we are going to talk about the trends uh, that we saw at Natural Products Expo East. It was held last week in Philadelphia. And honestly, I mean, it was it was a great show. It was so glad, so great to get back in person. And the attendance was great. The vibe was great. Um, lots of business being done on the show floor, and really, you know, a great way to to get back into in person events. So, Alex, this was your first Natural Products Expo. Uh, what what were your thoughts? Honestly, it was just so great to get in front of people again and get back onto a show floor. I uh, tried to do some thinking, and I think it's been since October of 2019, so almost two full years since I had even been on a show floor uh, or at an event in person. Um, And I think you said the vibe. The vibes were so great. I mean, everybody there, it seemed like it was either their first show in a long time or one of their first shows in a very long time. Uh, And everyone was just so happy to be together and discussing what they love to do in person with their colleagues or their friends who they hadn't seen in a long time. Um, so it was just a, a really positive show. Uh, everybody was was helpful and engaged, and I think everyone was just so happy to finally be back in person uh, at one of these larger shows uh, that it, it really did. You could tell based on the on the audience just how much people had missed doing this. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we did have some mandates in place, you know, with distancing and masks and things like that. But you could, you know, normally you get to read somebody's face, but you could tell in everyone's eyes that they were pretty much smiling throughout the whole show. And we had some great education sessions that, you know, I'm I'm sure we'll be talking about in in a future podcast. But, you know, really with this one, let's talk about the trends. Like you said, it's been almost two years since in-person events. And this was really the first finished goods uh, show that uh, that we put on and and uh, were able to to actually see products in person and taste them. So let's dive right into some of the trends that you and I kind of identified. And I think the first one I'm going to toss to you, which uh, is coffee and tea. Yes, a, a very fitting trend as we sit here just a couple of days away from publishing our coffee and tea uh, digital magazine. Um, But I don't know, maybe it was me being a little tired on the show floor, uh, but coffee and tea really did stand out to me. Uh, And what really stood out was the way that coffee and tea are no longer just coffee and tea. They they do so many more things than that. Uh, And so, you know, I saw electrolyte uh, in enhanced coffee. That was Awaza. Um, which was essentially like mixing a coffee with, you know, a a Gatorade or something like that, um, which provided the hydration that I think a lot of people don't really get from coffee, um, along with that sort of energy boost. Um, I found a brand called Peak Coffee, uh, which was extra caffeinated. So your typical cup of coffee might have, you know, 100, 150 milligrams of caffeine. This had 300 milligrams. um, And most importantly, it was all natural. Uh, It was not added after the fact. It was the the way they process and the way they brew their coffee beans uh, added that caffeination to it. Uh, I also saw coffee with added functional benefits, um, whether it was adaptogens or um, beneficial mushrooms. I saw coffee uh, with plant-based creamer already added in, ready to drink coffees like that. 
Um, and the same thing with tea. You know, tea is no longer just tea. Uh, I, the happy being tea was uh, advertising their extra added phenols to their tea, which they said how you know could confer some sort of benefits. Um, I won't get too much into the kombucha and fermented teas because uh, I think you're going to touch on those a little bit later. But you know, certainly a lot of fermented teas and kombuchas, uh, and a lot of ready to drink and iced teas. I uh, actually, while researching this upcoming digital magazine read that about 75 to 80 percent of the tea consumed in this country is iced uh, and about 50 percent is ready to drink. And so I think that I saw those trends really uh, playing out with a lot of cold iced teas. Shaka was one of my favorites. They had a really nice sort of uh, tropical Hawaiian tea that I really enjoyed. Uh, and then lastly, tea as an ingredient in other categories, uh, specifically matcha. There were a lot of matcha um, frozen desserts. I found matcha beverages that otherwise I wouldn't really consider tea, but were flavored with matcha. So really coffee and tea are, are expanding both within their own category and outside to other categories, which is really exciting. Yeah. And, 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 and piggybacking on that, um, I like what you said about the functionality and the functional ingredients. Um, Super coffee is, is a great example. They got a lot of exposure because they were also part of the food truck area but they were really promoting their plant-based low sugar coffees that have functional ingredients like L-theanine and MCT oil. Um, they also had uh, creamers, grounds, and pods. Everything is powered by the plant. Um, the caffeination that, that you mentioned, uh, Death Wish Coffee Company, that was a super caffeinated USDA organic and fair trade coffee, also available in grounds, pods, and as you mentioned, the ready-to-drink cans, and they had a really cool logo too. And then um, lastly, I'll just give a, a, a shout out to Steeped Coffee. They won the Nexty Award for the best new tea or coffee. And the company has a line of eight specialty coffees that are packaged in single-serve bags that you actually steep like tea, like hot tea. And so they're the coffee's actually ethically sourced and it's crafted in small batches, roasted in small batches rather, but the packs, uh, normally a, a tea bag would have like glue or staples. Well, these don't have either and they're actually sealed with nitrogen. So oh, wow. it, it, um, you know, enhances the freshness of the product, but definitely a lot of movement on the coffee and tea, uh, front. And as you mentioned, we will have a digital magazine coming out here in a few weeks on that. So, um, go to food and food and beverage insider.com for that. So moving on, let's talk about another uh, trend that we have, uh, you and I have really been talking about this since our, um, before our beverage issue, healthy beverage issue in July, um, non-alcohol. I think a lot of this was brought on by COVID and the pandemic that people were probably turning a little bit too much to alcohol or wanting to shed some COVID pounds. Um, there were a few that I found that were really, really cool. Um, Groovy, they are crafting non-alcoholic beers and wine and marketing them in a way where people can feel good about saying, no, I don't want alcohol. It's because it's really that social interaction that people want. And they actually were selected as the rising star at the Expo East Pitch Slam uh, competition where I believe both you and I had one of their beverages. I had the the mock Prosecco, and I think you had the mock uh, IPA, if I remember right. Yes. Yeah. And then um, Ritual Beverage is another one. They won the Nexty Award for Best New Natural Living Product. 
And it's really, they're, they're marketing it as a true liquor replacement. And when I was talking to the vice president of the company, he was saying that the owners wanted to find a way to cut back on their alcohol consumption during COVID, but really have that social, again, social interaction. And so they have a line of four alternative flavors is what they call it, of gin, tequila, rum, and whiskey. And honestly, they tasted just like the real deal. They had 10 calories per serving, they were crafted with natural botanicals, gluten and alcohol free, and, and they were really, really good. And I, I loved the bottles. They kind of look like prohibitionary, you know, era. And then finally, um, a shout out to Mingle Mocktails. And it's really a sparkling mocktail, low in calories and really unique flavors like blood orange elderflower mimosa, cranberry cosmo, blackberry hibiscus bellini, Moscow Mule, and then the Cucumber Melon Mojito. And again, made with all natural ingredients, fruit juices, and botanicals. And what was nice about this line is they're available in like the larger bottles if you want to have a party or they're ready to drink cans. Yeah, you know, the the non-alcohol I think is so interesting because for so long or, or, you know, for several years, I feel like we saw sort of the opposite trend where alcohol is being added to a lot of things, you know, lemonades, iced teas, seltzers, obviously. Um, and now we're kind of seeing a swing back in the other direction. Like you said, for those who want to be social and have that social drinking aspect without the alcohol, without the feeling that maybe alcohol gives them at the time or the next morning. Um, I think you hit on just about every uh, brand that I had uh, noted in my own notes, but I, I will say that I was really impressed just with how good they all tasted. I think a lot of people have this idea of like your non-alcoholic beers or wines as being lower quality, not as good tasting, very limited options. Uh, and that's just not the case anymore. Um, like you said, they're doing such a great job of not only mimicking that taste of whether it be beer or a cocktail, um, but also elevating it um, with all those botanicals you mentioned. You know, I tried uh, out on the show floor uh, strawberry cucumber mojito mix that was just really, really light and refreshing and tasty. Uh, and I never would have noticed or minded that it didn't have the alcohol that you would expect in a cocktail like that. Um, so I'm just, I was really blown away by how closely, uh, or, or I should say by how much they were elevating these non-alcoholic uh, cocktails and mocktails uh, so that those who want that social aspect, especially in this age of COVID, um, but don't want to feel pressured into the alcohol consumption that goes with it, they now have so many more options to enjoy uh, as opposed to just, you know, maybe one or two token choices. Um, so just a lot of innovation going on in that field right now. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And one other thing just to add um, that popped into my head when you were mentioning um, the attributes with that, you know, previous versions of non-alcohol were so full of sugar. And that's not the case anymore. People are really, you know, finding a way to use natural sweeteners or sugar, but not to have so much added sugars on that on that label. And I think that helps um, obviously trim the waistline as well. Yeah, you so, can get those those awesome flavors from those mocktails without feeling bad about having to do it because yeah. of what they needed to add in. So that's a great point. Yeah. So let's, let's, that kind of drives us into the functional beverage lane. So, uh, you know, functional beverages in, in terms of sales, they really bring in the lion's share of the whole functional food and functional beverage category. And so we, we just continue to see such awesome innovation in terms of um, energy drinks. Immunity has been huge since COVID, um, you know, all natural, no sugar added, things like that. But, you know, also using botanicals and adaptogens and, um, 
you know, really functional ingredients. So a couple I want to just highlight, you mentioned uh, kombucha. So hum kombucha, they highlighted, and it was cool because they called it their fizz and good lineup. And they've got three brand, uh, three lines. Uh, they have zero sugar, whole 30 approved, and a low sugar original line. And they just had really yummy flavors that included like mango lemon, coconut limes, and strawberry lemonade. And they, and they had great colorful packaging. Another kombucha company was Forage Kombucha, and I absolutely loved the design of their cans. It it, it was like 100% hit it out of the ballpark. Um, it's a new and emerging brand, and they have canned kombucha. And really cool flavors like blackberry grape, raspberry, tropical peach, and my favorite, of course, was ginger. Um, but uh, those, are, those are two that stuck out to me. And then I want to uh, give a shout out to Roar Organic. They completely rebranded re their hydration drink line. Uh, it's a USDA, USDA organic beverage available in four flavors. They're infused with electrolytes, antioxidants, coconut water, and contain 100% daily value of the vitamins A, B5, B6, B12, C, and E. They're keto-friendly, vegan, gluten-free. Um, the packaging on the bottles are really cool and um, just really pop off the, the shelf. And then um, as far as kids go, there's a, a brand called Organic Smart Kids. And these drinks were specifically developed for kids ages five to 14. And they're single serve pouches. It's all about the hydration. It contains organic and non-GMO ingredients, no added sugars or artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. Um, but each serving has 75 milligrams of potassium and only half of the sugar of what 100% uh, fruit juice would carry. And then finally, my last shout out would be to R.W. Knudsen. Um, obviously a very established brand, but they introduced a cool line of juice shots and beverage, uh, juice beverage shots, all made with organic ingredients. So they're 2.5 ounce bottles, they're shelf stable, they're packed with USDA organic uh, ingredients and really, on-trend ingredients and flavors like apple cider vinegar, beet, carrot, black pepper, and turmeric, uh, pineapple ginger, and elderberry and echinacea, and tart cherry chamomile, all going after that immunity and functional market, which I think is is just brilliant. And just to, something I'd love to add is before we started recording, you and I kind of were commenting on how much um, cross-category uh, you know, brands and products we saw. Um, and it's, you know, it's kind of easy to forget that, <clears throat> excuse me, easy to forget that coffee and tea were really sort of the original functional beverages. And mm -hmm. so um, certainly saw, uh, as we touched upon earlier, a lot of coffee and tea products uh, with added benefits, whether it be the electrolytes or botanicals, um, plant-based creamers, things like that. Um, but really kind of trying to take that already inherent functionality of coffee and tea and really take those types of drinks to the next level. Um, I'm really glad you brought up Roar. Uh, as you said, their packaging really drew me in. Um, it, it's very bright and colorful and um, really will will draw your eye and then hopefully your hand to go pick it up. Uh, and then, you know, the, what they've done with their reformulation is really impressive. Um, mm -hmm. I think they only have two grams of sugar per bottle. Um, it's, a, it's a mix of mostly natural sweeteners uh, with monk fruit and I believe erythritol. Um, but just this this explosion of of basically drinks that already existed coffee tea um sodas or or, or carbonated beverages 
um, just really being elevated with some of these added ingredients um, that also bring, you know, some great taste. You know, a lot of these botanicals will have benefits that they can add as well as uh, enhancing that taste and really bringing out um, some fun, exciting new flavors as well. Um, so I was I was very impressed with the the selection of functional beverages and and really the scope of them as well. Uh, you know, like you said, they covered everything from immunity to energy to um, digestion. Uh, you know, really across stress the relief, stress, sure, yeah. which is a big one these days, obviously. Mm -hmm. So, um, really, at this point, if you there, there's a drink that can do something for everybody, um, which is is a really cool thing to see. Yeah, and you know, a, a big shout out to not not one company, but you know, the majority of companies that, you know, they're they're food product developers. I mean, they really that that's tough to work with botanicals, and you know, other ingredients that can have some off notes. And so, I think the industry has just been elevated to another level when it comes to that. So, hats off to the food scientists. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So, and speaking of food scientists. Yeah. Um, you know, I think our next trend that I noticed is is this explosion of plant-based and talk about some innovation in that field, really elevating some some products that, again, I think if, if you were to ask some consumers 10 or 15 years ago what they thought of plant-based meats or plant-based cheeses or plant-based milks, they, it might be a little lukewarm. Um, that's not the case anymore, for sure. Um, as far as plant-based meats go, Meatless Farms, they had uh, a little section of the show floor where they were pumping out hot cooked food all, all day. Uh, I tried their uh, teriyaki meatballs, which were delicious, uh, as well as their chicken nuggets, um, which were delicious, made completely uh, from pea proteins. Mm -hmm. um, there were a lot of plant-based cheeses and cheese-like spreads, um, and I'll be, you know, full disclosure, uh, in my past, I've tried a couple of plant-based cheeses and cheese spreads and, and not found them to be so great. Um, that's also changing. Uh, you know, we're seeing, uh, I, I, the, the brand is escaping me, but it was a cheese spread that was made, uh, with chickpea. Um, and it, it just, it, it was finally something that could really mimic that taste of cheese, which was really impressive. Um, and then a lot of uh, product categories that you might not even really associate with plant-based that I was seeing that sort of start to enter into those fields. I saw a lot of plant-based dips and sauces and condiments. Uh, one was Fabalish, which was uh, you know made from aquafaba and chickpeas. They had a line of sauces and dips, everything from a tzatziki uh, to a, a more hummus-like. Um, they also had, I believe, a ranch flavor. Uh, but again, those that was made with aquafaba and chickpea. Uh, I also saw chickpea ice cream. It was the first time I had ever had that from Sweet Interesting. Pea. Uh, that was really good. It didn't have any of those off flavors you would expect. It, it really mimicked that texture of ice cream really, really well, which can sometimes be a, a struggle without that dairy. Um, so I was really impressed with the chickpea ice cream. And chickpeas just as a whole, I mean, were really all over the place. There were chickpea snacks and chickpea dips and chickpea everything. Um, and then... Also, some innovation in, in ice creams and frozen desserts. Uh, Tivoni uh, had some plant-based cheesecakes that were incredible. Uh, I actually was able to try a sample of those, and I almost didn't get to try a sample because they were almost out uh, to show you just kind of how much the people on the show floor were enjoying that product. Uh, and then a couple of other standouts, um, actual veggies, plant-based burgers. They kind of are choosing to zig where a lot of other people are zagging right now, where instead of trying to really closely mimic a, a meat analog 
Uh, their patties are purple and green, and you can tell they're made of plants, but that's exactly what they're going for. They're not trying to trick you into thinking you're eating a cheeseburger, but they are trying to show you, um, you know, with their various flavors, you know, this flavor has, you know, purple sweet potato and beet, and you can see those chunks of real whole foods right there in the patty. Right. Um, they had a green version that, you know, had spinach and kale. Um, and so I just thought it was really interesting to see, you know, where a lot of brands right now, I think, are trying to mimic meat and and try and get as close as they can to those same visual properties they're going the other way and saying we are made of vegetables we're proud of it and you can see it right here in our product and and so i thought that was really cool as well yeah definitely plant-based and in fact um shout out to a education session that you were going to be moderating at the supply side west in october yes. uh, we actually have a plant-based uh session there so if anyone's going to supply side, please sign up. It's, and if you uh, want to hear more about actual veggies, those folks will be part of that session. Absolutely. So um, kind of building on what you mentioned, you mentioned Meatless Farm, which um, I thought their new chicken nuggets and chicken cutlets were really good. Um, and then before the butcher also introduced a new, um, they have an uncut line, but they introduced a ground lineup featuring like um, ground plant-based patties well not patties but ground um breakfast grounds chorizo grounds taco grounds and like italian grounds so you know they're they're these companies are expanding to like tacos and burritos and how can you make these you know casseroles at home instead of just like the veggie burger um so i think that that's that's really great and again you know 100 plant-based non-gmo ingredients being used tofurkey you talk about been around the block for a while. Um, they introduced a jumbo plant-based hot dog and it has eight grams of protein per, per serving. And, you know, you just toss it on the grill and there you go. They also introduced, you were speaking of cheese, a dairy-free moochu plant-based uh, sh line of shredded cheeses. They're dairy-free uh, shredded cheeses in a, a number of flavors. Um, again, you know, like shreds for tacos or casseroles or quesadillas. And then they also had a dairy-free, uh, a new line of dairy-free spreads. Okay, so switching gears to different plant-based is um, oats. You know, they're huge. We've seen oat milk, I believe, overtake, uh, you know, many of the other plant milks in the category. But Yishi oatmeal cups, um, they really are building on the popularity of oats. They're Asian-inspired oatmeals filled with functional ingredients such as like turmeric, hemp seed, flaxseed, chia. Um, and you mentioned matcha before. Um, I say matcha, you say matcha. Um, but what uh, was interesting was their taro bubble tea oatmeal won the Nexty Award for Best New Pantry Food. So that was kind of unique in that. And then a shout out to Cauliflower. Uh, they've been on the the uh in the industry for a few years now but and and, and continue to innovate with expanding their product line but they went after the breakfast consumer so they introduced a convenient breakfast scrambler cup and it's filled with plant-powered protein um three varieties like broccoli cheddar spicy sesame and southwest bre breakfast scramblers each of them 150 to 190 calories per serving which i think is really great and really going after that convenience factor and cauliflower i believe was a nexty finalist or winner yep. a couple of years back and so i'll Absolutely. have to try those new products because their their prior lineup was um very well received yeah, it was really hard trying to get a sample. I mean, people were I bet. <laughs> pushing and shoving to get that. But and then finally, um, bushes, you know, they're they're famous for their bushes beans. 
Um, but they introduced a new line of soups and bowl toppers. So really they're again, um, capturing on this, bringing plants to the center of the plate. And so these uh, products are plant-based, certified organic, vegan, gluten-free, and free from preservatives. So you can either have the soup or this um, topper that you would put over whether, you know, like shredded lettuce or more, you know, like cauliflower or sweet potatoes, anything to bulk up like a, you know, like a dinner, a dinner bowl. And they are partnering with Blue Zones to bring flavors from places around the world where, where people live the longest based on their diet of at least half a cup of beans per day. So there was um, a place in, in, in Greece and a, n a number of other countries. Uh, you'll have to look that up on Blue Zones. But it was pretty interesting of how they're partnering with agri-farmers agri on that. That is very interesting. And and speaking a little bit of, um, you know, a focus on certain diets, um, another trend that I think that we both saw a lot of were products aimed towards certain diets or dietary tribes, keto, um, uh, intermittent fasting. One of the most, uh, I think, interesting products I saw in the entire time I was there, it was called Fast Bar. I believe they actually mentioned they are changing their name to Fasting Bar coming up um, once they get some new packaging. Um, but it was essentially a bar that is intended to be eaten either immediately before or even, and this sounds a little bit backwards, or even during uh, what would otherwise be an intermittent fast period. Um, basically, it has vitamins and minerals and protein and is meant to satiate you, but also, uh, you know, make sure that those cravings later on in the day can be uh, handled a little bit easier. Uh, and they also said that they, you know, spoke with doctors and scientists and and realize that even if you're otherwise fasting, this bar essentially strips out any of the extra stuff that you're trying to avoid during that period uh, and provides you with just with the nutrients you need to kind of get through that fast without uh, ruining, uh, it, for lack of a better word, what would otherwise be a fasting period. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, and then obviously keto was huge, um, you know, mm -hmm. various uh, meat brands uh, promoting keto, um, really any, it, the keto really has seemed to just go every category imaginable. There were snacks, there were beverages, there were frozen desserts, um, there were, you know, meats and also plant-based meats. Um, but, you know, obviously keto, uh, a huge thing still. Uh, I think maybe some people, you know, it's been around for a little while, but it, it's not a trend that I see going away anytime soon. It certainly seems like one of these more mainstay diets. Um, so I'm curious if you saw any particular keto-friendly products that you wanted to give a shout out to. Yeah, one um, which I, you know, you said the trend is not really a trend anymore. It's kind of here to stay. And I think that that was evident with Grain for Grain. They offer upcycled keto ingredients, but that cover a number of applications. So they had like pancake and waffle mixes. They had barley flour. They had one-to-one -one replacement flour. And then they also had seasoned coatings for like, you know, using it as a breading. Um, so they're really looking at the bigger picture of it's not just a keto bar, it's not just a keto drink, it's you're cooking at home, here are some, here are some great um, products to expand your, your uh, you know, culinary palate on that. And then, you know, one of my favorites, I, I have to say, and it's a snack, it's called Moon Cheese. <laughs> and um, basically they cranked up the crunch with 100% cheese crunchy ball. And it was just a, a crunch ball-shaped bite that had 10 grams of protein, no sugar, and less than two grams of carbs. They also um, were introducing a new protein uh, protein 
Blitz mix, and it was a flavor combo of nuts and cheese. And it, their, their marketing was just really cool. So, um, you know, shout out to them on that. Yeah, I was able to try their, uh, I think it was a cheddar and almond mix, and it was delicious. Uh, very yeah. strong forward cheese flavor, but in a really mm-hmm. good way. And like you said, I, the crunch is incredible. And you know what? They'd go really great with one of those mocktails. So definitely. Yeah. So since, you know, we ju- I just talked about uh, snacks, let's kind of go into snacks. Um, we're going to be having an upcoming webinar on Supply Side Network 365. And uh, that's actually live November 18th. And snacks, you know, got to hand it to COVID. We were all snacking more. And so, you know, while the snack aisle was um, overflowing before COVID, it's it's like expanding like exponentially. So, um, so just some different ones that I want to call out. There was this cottage cheese bar from Speka. Um, they're actually from Latvia and it's, um, a balance of carbs, protein, and fat, but really for satiety and lasting energy. Each bar is made with, um, cottage cheese and it has eight grams of protein and only eight grams of fat and sugar. And they had three flavors, Greek yogurt, uh, vanilla, and then my favorite was salted caramel. It was It was pretty unique. So I hadn't seen anything like that on the show floor. You usually see like cottage cheese being used in, in some cheesecakes and things, but it really tasted tasted like a, a really good cheesecake bar. And what I really loved about that product was that it could be eaten frozen. It could be eaten slightly mm-hmm. thawed. I tried their, their debuting a new lemon flavor. Um, they actually had people voting on the name of it, but uh, their lemon flavor was also incredible. So that was a, a standout for me as well. Yeah, they had run out of that by the time I got I got to their booth. So um, you probably had the last bite. Um, speaking of bites, Brazi Bites. Uh, it's a line of in, Latin-inspired gluten-free snacks. And um, they really got their start after appearing on Shark Tank. And um, the company was introducing a, a few new products, a Pizza Nada featuring cheese and uncured bacon uh, that you just pop in and, and the kids can just pop them in their mouths. Their single serve um, gluten-free homestyle breakfast sandwiches were available in four flavors and really, again, capitalize on you know the snacking, but the convenience factor. Um, and then one of my favorites, I have to say, was Mary's Gone Cracker, Mary's Gone Crackers. They are introducing a new line of Mary's Gone Cookies with a K. And they're Graham-style cookies that are available in three flavors, cinnamon, honey, and chocolate. They're going to be on the market in early 2020. I'm sorry, in early 2022. And the cookies are all plant-based. They're made with sustainably sourced honey. They're non-GMO and organic. And really, the cinnamon one just blew my socks off. It was really good. I'll just uh, um, just to add on to some of that. Um, I also noticed, and I think you mentioned this when you started the the conversation on snacks, that you know during COVID we were all snacking, uh, and so what I really noticed was this uptick of what one might generally consider to be you know a quote unquote junk food, but sort of healthified. Um, I saw that with potato chips, uh, lesser evil, which kind of right there in their name suggests mm-hmm. uh, you know people still want to snack and people still want to have things like potato chips and popcorn was another really big one um, that, that I saw a lot of different popcorns. There was pop time, uh, pop zero. Uh, and then I think maybe the single most interesting uh, product I saw on the entire show floor was called Papa's skinless popcorn. Uh, basically what they were doing is uh, if you've ever eaten popcorn, you've probably had that uh, 
experience of getting a kernel stuck between your teeth what they yep. really do what they do is they take that hard husk and remove it before the popping process and it's gone um, you still end up with the exact same texture of popcorn that everyone knows and loves um, but that hard crunchy uh, stuck in your teeth, not really able to be digested husk is removed. Uh, and it really made for a much more pleasant eating experience for popcorn. And they had a couple flavors as well. They had a cinnamon sugar, um, a kettle corn. Um, but the popcorn without that husk was maybe the, the most innovative or, or interesting product I saw the entire time we were there. Yeah, and that's got to be a um, welcome sign of relief for people that suffer from, you know, some gut issues like diverticulosis and diverticulitis. Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, kudos to them on that. And then I think um, fruit, obviously fruit's like one of the original snacks, but we're seeing more innovation with like fruit jerkies and dried fruits. Um, Soli won the Nexty Award for Best New Sweet Snack, and they had a, a really yummy line of dried fruit and jerky snacks. And then Rind was doing something interesting. Um, they are a line of functional and sustainable whole food, whole fruit snacks, but they keep the rind actually on the, the dried product. And um, so you're, so you're getting nutrition, you're, you're not wasting any part of the fruit. Um, they're non GMO certified, they're kosher, they're naturally vegan and gluten-free and uh, they had orange, kiwi and apple. And I was able to taste the apple one, which I thought was really good. Yeah. I and also then, stopped by the, the rind booth and the, that idea of eating the, the rind of, you know, a kiwi or an orange, which you're really not used to, uh, takes a little bit to get to, to get your mind past, but um, they really do a good job of making it all tasty. And there's not that like weird texture that you might think of when you think yeah. of the rind of a fruit. So I'm um, really impressed with how they were able to, like you said, zero waste and, and use the entire fruit uh, for their product. Mm -hmm. And their packaging really showed, showed that. And that's, what you're going to get inside. Um, and then, so lastly, in terms of snacks, I, you know, I've got my sweet tooth, especially around Halloween. So um, American Lic Licorice Company was exhibiting and, you know, they're famous for their red vines and their Sour Patch uh, candies, but they also have a line of um, red vines that are made with simple ingredients and they're non-GMO, but they recently, they're also made with uh, real sugar, real colors and flavors from natural sources. But they have a line called Tori and Howard and they're organic hard candies and chewy fruits. And again, they're USDA organic, kosher certified, allergen friendly and non-GMO and gluten-free. So I think we're gonna start to see more of those on the more of that um, recognition for the Tori and Howard brand in terms of um, candies, confectionery snacks. So let's talk about mission-based, uh, you know, really, Almost every company exhibiting at this show or involved in the natural products industry has some sort of a mission. And it's really hard to single out any one company because they're all doing great things. But a few that caught my eye were um, Farmers Focus Chicken. Um, they, they really support the agricultural industry. They won the new best, um, the Nexty Award for best new meat, dairy, or animal-based product. But they also won another Nexty Award for the best new organic food, and it was um, for their chicken, which was really good. They do so much work with the local farmers and helping to support the farm industry that um, they're really doing a great job. So another um, brand that I want to give a shout out is Alexander Family Farm. It's a regenerative dairy. Um, they've been run by fifth generation now, I believe. 
for about 20 years. They've been crossbreeding a herd of 100% A2, A2 cows producing digestible or organic milk, which is something that you know we have really seen come to the forefront, and I say in the probably past five years or so. They have like 15,000 acres of green grass pasture that they rotate their herd. I think it's broken up into seven sections. So the herds graze on happy grass, um, they're happy cows, and then they come in and get milked and they go to a, a fresh new uh, area of the farm. So they've been doing a lot there. Also, um, Carrington Farms, they have a Simply Terra Organic Whey Bourbon Vanilla Protein power, uh, Powder, and they won the next award for Best New Environmentally Responsible Packaging. So just kind of a, a, a few shout outs to a few of the companies that are really doing everything uh, as far as mission-based, sustainability, plant for, uh, planet forward, and things like that. Yeah, and I'll just add, uh, you know, one or two more shout outs real quick. Um, I was really impressed with One Village Coffee. Uh, you know, I think the coffee industry is one that at times struggles uh, with yeah. both a perception and a reality of of how that crop is is farmed and, and how, you know, coffee gets into the hands of consumers. Uh, but they're a certified B Corp and, and they're really big on, you know, equity between their farmers and their, you know, their growers and their harvesters. Um, you know, really turning their entire supply chain into what they describe as one village um, and, you know, taking care of each other and making sure that everybody is benefiting from the sales of these coffee. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, and then not a product, but I did want to shout out one of the education sessions. Um, it was uh, called George Floyd, an industry report card on progress. And it was read by uh, led by Ryan Pintado Vertner from uh, he's the founder of Smoketown. Uh, and also included uh, an Elliot uh, Begon from TIG, uh, Aisha Abugila from Mason Dixon, uh, Mason Dixie Foods, and Joe Marie Pinkard from Hella Cocktail Company. Uh, it was just a very real conversation about you know where the industry is standing right now as far as uh, equity and inclusion and diversity, uh, where the industry has gone right, where the industry has gone wrong. Uh, and how much work is left to do. But it was it was just a very nice thing to see that as an industry, we are getting together, um, not only identifying the the points that we could do better, but actually putting plans into action to make that happen. Um, so the that idea of mission based and and being an industry that is for everybody and to the benefit of everybody um, was definitely on display uh, both on the show floor and in the education rooms. Yeah, absolutely. And Ryan, Ryan is, he's wonderful. He is actually one of our um, members of the Jedi Advisory Council here at Informa Markets. And uh, so he helps advise our brands, uh, you know, on what we're doing to include, you know, mission-based companies and, and include diversity in our content coverage. So um, be looking for some of that uh, information, both on Natural Products Insider and Food and Beverage Insider. And then finally, let's talk a little, let's get spicy or saucy. Um, let's talk about some some things that we saw in the sauces and condiments and dips aisle. Do you wanna take the charge on that one? Yeah, definitely. And you know, to call this a trend, I, I have to put my hand up and say that uh, I'm kind of taking this from one of the exhibitors themselves, uh, Truff, which is a line of um, you know high quality uh, sauces and dips, and they're now unveiling a new pasta sauce as well. Uh, and one of the representatives over at their booth was basically, she basically pulled me aside and said, if you want a trend, this, this is the trend. And what she meant was the elevation of home cooks. Mm -hmm. um, 
what I would call sort of like a home cooking renaissance. Um, you know, everybody spent 12, 18 months, whatever it was, couldn't really go to restaurants, didn't really want to order takeout every single night of the week. People were reintroduced to their kitchens. And I think for, you know, a month or two or three, it was easy to kind of go with what you would normally use, your normal array of sauces and spices and condiments. But I think people are trying to really elevate their home cooking now, uh, or certainly were when they realized that they were going to have to keep cooking dinner every night for God knows how long. Uh, and so there were plenty of different uh, brands that really impressed me. Uh, Truff, as I mentioned, um, and they were also featured in one of uh, Food and Beverage Insider's recent digital magazines focused on natural colors and flavors. Uh, Flatiron Pepper Company, uh, they had a, a line of uh, sort of higher end spice mixes, uh, pepper flakes. Uh, I was actually able to get a sample and uh, not for the faint of heart, certainly they, they can get pretty spicy, uh, but they were they were really great. Uh, there were some organic herbs and spices as well. Um, a lot of barbecue uh, sauces and, and um, other sort of like cooking and simmering sauces. Uh, and I'll let you talk a little bit more about them, but I did want to shout out uh, the winner of our pitch slam, which was Phila Manila, uh, which I found they're, they're a line of Filipino inspired uh, simmer sauces and marinades. Uh, and so not only were they, you know, within this trend of, you know, uplifting the home cook, but also this idea of kind of traveling without traveling. Um, you know, people, again, stuck in their kitchens don't want to eat the same exact things or even things that they're, you know, used to eating night after night after night. Uh, and so this was just kind of another way to elevate that cooking kind of, you know, take a trip without leaving your kitchen type of thing. Um, and he was very impressive and their brand was very impressive. Um, so really just a lot of different products that are here not to be eaten on their own, but certainly to help those who are cooking at home elevate their meals uh, while doing so without, you know, coming at the expense of these super sugary, artificially flavored colored sauces that are that are out there. Yeah, I like to use the term like, you know, uh, getting your global fit cuisine fix without your passport, because that's really what it's been like for the last few years. Um, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Fila Manila, they also won the Nexty Award for the best new condiment. Um, you know, so hats off to them. And what they, what I really found inspiring about them is that they found white space in this category. There really wasn't, um, you know, uh, a CPG product for Filipino foods. And so um, their, their um, owner and founder really wanted to bring that flavor to American palates. So um, they, they've got a line of full flavored, clean label sauces and condiments, as well as I, I think a sweet spread uh, that are inspired by Filipino flavors. Another one that I thought was really um, tasty was Saucy Lips. It's a line of sauces that are handcrafted with clean ingredients, but they deliver on bold flavor with no added sugar or unnecessary additives. And they have a line of marinades, dressings, hot sauces, and other like cooking sauces that you mentioned that really provide um, unique global flavors. And what I liked about that was it's a, a woman-led company. Um, another woman-led company in that area is uh, Tomato Head Hummus. I don't know if you were able to try their, their line of hummuses, but they have five regular hummuses and they've got unique flavors like beet and carrot and black bean sriracha. But what really caught my eye is they have a, a line of probiotic hummus and that includes miso turmeric kimchi and sauerkraut caraway varieties so just tapping into that um, extra layer of flavor so to speak 
um, you know, so there's just there's just so much out there, and I think we're seeing this global global flavors, global cuisine carry over into so many other categories, like you mentioned, snacks and you know ready to eat meals and things like that. So um, you know, can't wait to see what's what's new and and exciting at the Natural Products Expo West in March. So it's going to be even bigger, and um, you know, I think we'll have to go on a few diets in between there, Alex. <laughs> definitely, definitely we'll have to start that sort of in-between show diet. Uh, they, yeah. Everyone always tells you when you're on the show floor, try not to try every single thing that you walk by. And every year I completely disregard that advice. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's, we're probably way over time, but um, I hope that gave uh, our listeners, you know, a little bit of uh, what was happening on the show floor at Natural Products Expo East. And, um, you know, be sure and tune into future podcasts and be sure and log on to foodandbeverageinsider.com to find out the latest on what's going on in innovation and um, product launches. <laughs>